from Indianapolis with an eye on every corner of Indiana. This is IBJ Media's Inside Indiana Business with Gary Dick. Presented by Ice Miller and Indiana University. man on a 7,700-mile overseas mission to bring jobs and investment home to the heartland. Governor Eric Holcomb joins us from Taiwan with an update on making Indiana a hub for the next wave in high tech. Edwards fires, he's got a Big bucks for the Big Ten. A deeper dive into its $7 billion media deal with sports guru Mike DeCourcy. And Holiday World's new attraction to get more workers. Plus, Indiana gems on the brink of extinction. A look at which sites landed on Indiana Landmark's 10 most endangered list. Inside Indiana Business starts now. The meetings that we have had haven't just been eye-opening. They have, we have made progress. Hello and welcome to Inside Indiana Business. I'm Gary Dick. Let's get right to our top stories this week. Governor Holcomb in Asia in search of investment from chip and EV battery companies. While here at home, details on a massive plant in northern Indiana emerge. In a moment, we'll take you to Taiwan and South Bend. In southern Indiana, Holiday World and Splash and Safari taking an innovative approach to talent attraction, investing $7 million in housing for new employees and more bank for entrepreneurs. IU announces plans for a $25,000 startup pitch competition. To our top story now, Governor Eric Holcomb's trade mission to Asia uh, included a meeting with Taiwan's president and the signing of a memorandum of understanding between Indiana and the island nation aimed at reducing barriers to trade and investment. That seven-day trip, which attracted national media attention because of rising tensions between Taiwan and China, included meetings with political leaders, CEOs, and industry leaders in both Taiwan and South Korea. The goal, increasing investment and jobs in the semiconductor and electric vehicle battery industries. I spoke with the governor from Taiwan about the reception the Hoosier delegation received and Indiana's bid to become a, quote, Silicon heartland. They love the ecosystem developing. They love that. That is a ginormous magnet for talent. And so as the kind of world, I hope, shifts or tilts toward Indiana, uh, of course, we've got access to engineering schools all over, you know, all in the Big Ten and surrounding us. But this could be a big boost to Hanover and Trine and Indiana University and you know, all of our schools that offer engineering degrees because we need them all and we need a lot more of them. America has about a, you know, deficit of, but we need about 300,000 engineers. So think about Indiana's cut of that. Governor Eric Holcomb uh, from Taiwan, while the governor was in Asia, here at home, the St. Joseph County Council gave initial approval to incentives for Altium Cells, a joint venture between General Motors and LG Energy Solutions. A $2.4 billion electric vehicle battery plant in New Carlisle that could mean 1,600 jobs. Let's go now to South Bend and get the latest on the deal from Regional Chamber CEO Jeff Ray. Jeff, as always, thanks for joining us. Gary, thanks for having me today. This is a big deal, 1,600 jobs, $2.5 billion investment. What's the, uh, what's the buzz? What's the vibe, if you will, in, in Michiana, the South Bend-Elkhart region, about this investment? 
Yeah, tremendous amount of excitement. No final decisions have been made, but the company's in their final stages of the decision-making. The council action this past week was the first step in a, in a two-step process for securing incentives. So we're hopeful that they make a final decision and ultimately choose Northern Indiana as that location uh, for this new plant. Jeff, give us an idea of what this plant would look like. Um, not a traditional plant. The numbers are huge. $2.4 billion, 1,600 jobs. Is this almost a clean room type uh, a factory environment? Yeah, it is. When you start to think of it at a, at a macro level, it's two uh, two plus million square feet. There's about 46 acres under roof there. About 80% of the uh, floor, though, is clean room. This looks like a chip factory or something, I think, as you were uh, as you're thinking about it. It's very high tech, um, really an exciting announcement. Um, and uh, again, hopefully that the company uh, makes a final decision here. If so, would be the largest single investment we've had really in our history here and probably the largest single jobs announcement as well, too. We think we're well-positioned for it. Uh, we've been doing electric batteries going back 100 years uh, to the Studebaker uh, brothers as they tried to launch a, an electric vehicle 100 plus years ago. We've been an important part of the automotive industry, and we hope to be part of this next iteration as this moves forward. Yeah, I should mention this is one of multiple uh, electric vehicle battery plants by Altium. Spring Hill, Tennessee opens would open next year. Lordstown, Ohio, uh, I think perhaps this year. Lansing, Michigan, uh, 2024, and then potentially this new Carlisle uh, plant. Uh, so part of a massive investment by, by Altium cells. So when you think about electric vehicles right now, probably 5% of folks uh, drive them. They think in 2025, 25% of people are going to be driving electric vehicles. So GM is preparing themselves uh, for that, uh, for the electrification of, of American uh, automotive. And so we're learning some pretty important lessons. As you mentioned, Lordstown's pretty far along and should come online here in the next couple of weeks. So we've been watching the, the progress there. And uh, and I think they'll, uh, we feel like ours will be the best should we land it because uh, they'll have learned some important lessons building those other three plants. But we're we're really excited about uh, being on the on uh, potentially being on the front edge of this emerging industry. This is the would be the second major investment in the EV battery space. Stellantis, Samsung SDI announcing a big investment in Kokomo earlier this year. Education, the governor touched on it a, a few moments ago. The role that Notre Dame and Ivy Tech could play in this uh, in this investment as well. You know, certainly we've made the, as we've been making the pitch uh, to the company, talking about labor force, those are two critical partners to us. We think that having um, higher ed opportunities to train even the lowest skilled to the highest skilled employ uh, employees is a really critical part of us landing this. So it was uh, definitely part of our pitch. Also, you know, can't say enough about the IEDC, the work they're doing there. They're an important partner for us on this. Indiana's business climate is really why we're here as, as well, too. And and so uh, really been a team effort from up and down the line. And and uh, I, I think we're all anxious to hit the finish line here. Hey, Jeff, very quickly, about out of time here, but uh, in terms of next steps, preliminary approval uh, just granted by the county council, local approvals uh, would be done by the middle of the next month and state approvals would be needed as well. Yeah, so September 13th is our big date. Um, we hope the IDC then approves incentives before the end of September and hope for an announcement sometime in October. Jeff Rays, the CEO of the South Bend Regional Chamber. Jeff, as always, great perspective on what is potentially a massive investment there in northern Indiana and for the state as well. Thanks for joining us. I know we'll be in touch. Great to see you, Gary. Thanks. All right. Well, coming up next, Andretti Autosport on the move to set up shop, a new headquarters in Fishers. And the big business of college sports. What's behind the Big Ten's multi-billion dollar media deal? We get perspective from a sporting news writer and Big Ten Network analyst, Mike DeCourcy.
It's time now to go inside innovation. A big win for Indiana's motorsports industry. Andretti Global, the parent of Andretti Autosport, says it will build its new global headquarters near the Nickel Plate Trail in Fishers. It's a $200 million investment expected to create as many as 500 jobs over the next four years. Construction expected to begin in the fall with an opening by 2025. Well, it is the media deal that shook the world of college sports. The Big Ten Conference announcing a groundbreaking seven-year, $7 billion media rights deal that includes distribution agreements with CBS, Fox, NBC, not to mention the Big Ten Network and Fox Sports One. It is a deal that could ultimately pay each Big Ten school $100 million annually. Let's get some perspective now and uh, go to Fishers, where we find Sporting News uh, senior writer and Big Ten analyst Mike DeCourcy. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Gary. Hey, uh, reaction. I know we've talked about it on the show with you. It's been, you know, kind of rumored, talked about for some time now. Now that it's out, the numbers are out. Kind of mind blowing how big this is and how uh, prominent the Big Ten Network in football, as an example. They're going to go from noon till almost, you know, the end of the, the end of the night on national TV. Absolutely. They, they have the big noon on Fox, uh, followed by the 3.30 window on CBS. It had been so coveted and so great for, C- for the SEC over the past decade or so. And then a nighttime, a primetime game on NBC that will follow a great lead-in, at least for now, from Notre Dame, uh, their home game. So lots of great news for Big Ten fans about the exposure of their teams and also you have the games on Big Ten Network that get such a great treatment from my friends uh, and colleagues. And then also FS1 has had a lot of success with Big Ten football. So uh, the football part of this is a bonanza for the conference. Yeah, and there's a there's a, a streaming piece and obviously streaming a big part of media today and will be going forward. NBC's Peacock uh, is going to have uh, some games and that really touches on basketball, too, right? Yeah, I think that's the most interesting kind of more than the dollars is uh, the basketball part of this because they uh, were removed from ESPN. uh, That opened up a lot of basketball windows and they had to go somewhere. And some of them went to uh, the FS1 and and Fox and CBS. CBS, I think, in particular, will get the chance to improve their regular season games. They've had some real duds. Uh, on on the network of the tournament uh, over the past few years, some real duds from other leagues. Now they'll get some really good Big Ten games. But that Peacock thing is really interesting because if you go back to the late, mid-90s, early 2000s, when the Pac-12 was only in business with Fox, uh, there were a lot of complaints from Pac-12 coaches like Lute Olson, uh, Hall of Famer, the late Lute Olson, and, and Ben Howland, who was then the coach at UCLA, complaining about Uh, the fact that they weren't exposed to ESPN and it hurt their recruiting, they were saying, Uh, which is interesting because I think now it's a different universe. And athletes get their get their uh, uh, media on their phones more than they did in the year 2003, say. Uh, And so you don't necessarily have to worry as much about that. So I don't think that that will impact recruiting in the way that it did. And I think being exposed on all those big networks is more than going to cover that. Hey, big question. And Kevin uh, Warren, Big Ten Commissioner, has, has kind of said he's he's not done yet, may be interested in adding more teams. Do you think that would happen? You've got Notre Dame out there, the, the prize. But do you think, whether it's Notre Dame or other schools, there, there will be more expansion in the Big Ten? 
Yeah, I think keeping the door open for Notre Dame is just good business. They're, uh, they have a fabulous brand. They have a fabulous following, a great program in both football and men's basketball, women's basketball as well. Uh, so that and they already are uh, part time members, so to speak, in men's ice hockey. They mm-hmm. uh, do very well in that. So I think keeping the door open to them makes total sense. And then, of course, if they were to get the Irish, they'd probably been, bring in a partner, maybe Stanford or something like that. There's been some buzz about Oregon. There was a report earlier in the week about the possibility of them joining. I'm not sure what the value of that is or would be. Uh, they've already got the bag, so to speak. The money is going to start flowing any day now. So I'm not sure what Oregon, uh, it's a great market and a great program, but does it make that uh, bag bigger? I yep. don't think it necessarily does. So I'm not sure what would be, they'd get out of that if they went in that direction. Well, it's a story that will continue to be a hot topic, and uh, we hope to be able to talk to you again about it. Mike DeCourcy from the Big Ten Network and Sporting News. Mike, as always, thanks. You bet. All right. Well, shifting to the business of pro sports now and a man who knows it very well, Colts coach Frank Reich. He's my guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast. Coach Reich is entering his fifth year as head coach of the Colts and his fifth season with a new starting quarterback. He's a former NFL quarterback himself, and he spoke candidly about what it was like when Andrew Luck decided to step away from the game in 2019. As he went through that process, I mean, there was part of that process I felt like I was going through with him as his coach. And then there was part of that process I felt like I was going through that with him as his friend. And, um, you know, so I'll I'll always look back on that, always be thankful, you know, for the opportunity that I had to, you know, be part of that, um, to be, you know, to be able to be talking with him and, and to listen to what he was going through personally. Much more with Frank Reich on Andrew Luck, on Jim Irsay as an owner, and expectations for this season. That's on the Business and Beyond podcast. You can find it starting Monday at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. And coming up. Indiana treasures on the brink of extinction. I'll show you the 10 Hoosier sites on Indiana Landmark's most endangered list next. And in this week's IBJ, a look at Indiana Landmark's new Black Heritage Program. Also, concerns over a Duke Energy project in Hamilton County, Indiana in the hunt to land a regional tech hub, and an internationally recognized Indianapolis artist investing in fellow creatives on the Near East Side. This is Alex Brown. Get caught up on the state's top business news every business day with Inside Indiana Business Radio On Demand. This twice-daily podcast features our statewide Inside Indiana Business radio reports with additional bonus content that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. You can listen now on the podcast page at InsideIndianaBusiness.com or subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, this week, Indiana Landmarks released its annual 10 Most Endangered list. And as she's done for the last two years, around Indiana reporter Mary Rachel Redman will travel all over Indiana to visit the sites and provide a deeper dive into the history and a behind-the-scenes look at these unique places in our Endangered Indiana series. Mary Rachel joins us now from Indiana Landmarks headquarters near downtown Indy with a preview. Mary Rachel. Gary, Indiana Landmarks has been around since 1960. It's the largest statewide preservation organization of its kind in the country. So these folks know what they're doing, 
And when the first 10 most endangered list debuted in 1991, this group knew they were onto something. The purpose of this list is not to to criticize uh, a property owner or to or a community. It's really to help find a solution, to bring ideas to the table, to raise awareness. And we found the list to be very successful. The, the vast majority of, of, of places that we've listed uh, have been have been saved or in, a, or in a state of preservation. Here's a quick look at this year's list. Bertzel Mansion in South Bend, Fountain County's Cates Mill Covered Bridge, the Jeter Means House in Gary, Evansville's stunning Holman Building in Garage, the Knox County Poor Asylum in Vincennes, Marion's First Friends Church, and rounding out the new additions, these 1850s limestone buildings in Steinsville. The three repeats include Mishawaka's Cam and Schellinger Brewery, Shields Jim and Seymour. That's where I hit those two free throws. And Newcastle's turn of the century courthouse annex. As Bill Cook once said, historic preservation is economic development. Indiana Landmarks focuses on historic properties, but at the same time in reinvesting in those properties, whether it's, you know, 250000 to restore a downtown commercial building or project the size of the West Baden Springs Hotel, which was a success story off of our 10 most endangered list. That is um, many, many millions of dollars. That interprets to jobs, whether they're construction jobs or jobs that come out of whatever that building becomes. If it becomes a restaurant, if it becomes a hotel, whatever that might be, that enhances the livelihood of the communities that we all live in. And just to give you an idea of how important Indiana Landmarks work has been over the years, it's estimated the organization's preservation projects around the state have had an economic impact that easily figures into the billions of dollars. Not too shabby. Well, in the coming weeks, we'll launch year three of our Endangered Indiana series, where I'll travel the state visiting all of these sites on the endangered list to tell you the story behind the story, you won't want to miss it. Reporting from Indiana Landmarks headquarters, Mary Rachel Redmond for IBJ Media's Inside Indiana Business. All right, Mary Rachel, thank you. Well, the nation's biggest retailer has big plans for Indiana. Walmart says a $75 million investment this year around the state will include physical improvements to stores and also enhancements to pickup delivery and online offerings. Walmart is investing $75 million inside of Indiana um, to remodel 15 of our stores. Um, and so what does that look like when a customer walks into our building? They will definitely feel just a difference in lighting, fixtures, um, just navigational and directional signing inside of our buildings. Walmart employs more than 46,000 Hoosiers statewide. And a new attraction at Holiday World and Splash and Safari in southern Indiana no, it's not a thrill ride like the Legend roller coaster. It's a new place to call home for seasonal workers. Holiday World taking a build it and they will come approach to attracting talent. The theme park building a new $6 million plus facility where workers will live once they clock out for the day. The goal to attract more workers from across the U.S. and overseas. We have plenty of students who ask us from all around the United States if they can come work for us. And previously, we haven't had anywhere where we can house them. So we're very excited to be bringing in a, a whole new, very enthusiastic workforce. The three-story housing unit will accommodate more than 130 workers and could spur development of more college internships. Coming up in the business of health, a potential lifesaver for college students at Butler. 
right in the palm of their hands. And it's time now for the business of health. Here's Kylie Valletta with more on uh, a new app that can uh, help college students. That's right. right. It's all about mental health. Butler University students returned to campus this week, and they now have licensed mental health therapists at their fingertips. The school is rolling out a new teletherapy app created by two Indiana companies, Life Omic and Preventia, both based in Indianapolis. The school says demand for counseling services hit an all-time high last fall when the number of students requesting ongoing therapy outpaced what Butler was able to provide. The school says the new app will help fill the gap. LifeOmic designed the Holistic Health app, and Preventia provides the teletherapy portion by connecting students on their mobile device with licensed clinicians. Butler says there were multiple advantages of working with local companies to create the app. For mental health, uh, it, you need to be licensed in the state in which the, the client is located. So Preventia being local to Indiana, uh, they have a lot of providers, most of their providers. They could readily uh, have them see students for therapy because they're licensed in Indiana. Um, probably Some of them are probably also licensed in Illinois. We have a lot of students coming from Illinois. So to have providers ready to go and be licensed in the state in which our students are located was really important. And then again, just the timing of it and getting it uh, on board as, as quickly as we could. Butler says it's important to note the teletherapy option is in addition to in-person counseling the school continues to provide. Butler also added pockets of private space on campus to make it easier for students to find quiet spots for teletherapy sessions. One of Indiana's fastest growing companies, 120 Water, has received a big boost to help communities in need of modern water quality solutions. 120 Water is recognized as a leader in helping partners achieve lead and copper rule compliance. CareSource, a national managed care organization with a major presence in Indiana, has invested $1 million in the tech company. Elevate Ventures and Alice Ventures were also part of the $3 million round. More than 400 customers across 38 states already use 120 Water's digital water platform. A 2021 survey by the National Resources Defense Council found Indiana, Illinois, and Ohio to have some of the most lead service lines in the nation. And next week, Gary will be talking with Megan Glover. She's the CEO of 120 Water about how CareSource's mission and 120 Water's mission, how they overlap and how they're finding mutual strength in each other. 120 Water, an interesting company. Megan yes. doing a lot of great things up there. Hey, back to your Butler story, though, because the mental health issue on campuses all over the country is such an important issue. So it now seems that, again, these phones, technology could help. Right. Butler is saying the demand across the country, not just at Butler, mm -hmm. but at every college campus, students are really wanting something like this. And he said when they surveyed the students, the number one thing they wanted was convenience. Mm -hmm like a lot yeah, of us. Right. Uh, so they want the in-person, but when they can't get there in person, they want to be able to do it quickly and do it on an app. All right. Thanks as always, Kylie. Yeah. It's time now for Eye on Education. Faculty, students, and staff at IU will soon have another opportunity to showcase their big ideas and enjoy a big payday, too. The inaugural Indiana University Idea to Startup Pitch Competition will select 10 teams or individuals to present to a panel of entrepreneurs and investors. Winners will receive a combination of cash prizes totaling $25,000 and in-kind services to be used toward the formation of IU startups. Deadline to apply August 31. The pitches take place in October. 
Well, according to Sportscasters Talent Agency of America, three of the top 20 best sports broadcasting schools are in Indiana. Ball State, the highest ranked program at number three, followed by Notre Dame at number four and IU at number six. Number one on the list, Syracuse University. That's all the time we have uh, this week. When you're driving around Interstate 465, a new mural might catch your eye. This week, the Indiana Destination Development Corporation unveiling its first in Indiana mural. And there it is. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Inside Indiana Business Television podcast. Remember, you can get the latest business news from every corner of the state at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Go out and make it a successful week.